Daniel chapter 6, beginning at verse 1. It pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom, with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them, so that the king might not suffer loss. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, We will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. So these administrators and satraps went as a group to the king and said, May King Darius live forever. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisers and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or human being during the next 30 days, except to you, your majesty, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, your majesty, issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. So King Darius put the decree in writing. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, He went home to his upstairs room, where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. So they went to the king and spoke to him about the royal decree. Did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days anyone who prays to any god or human being except to you, your majesty, would be thrown into the lion's den? The king answered, The decree stands in accordance with the law of the Medes and the Persians which cannot be repealed. Daniel, who is one of the... Then they said to the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you your majesty, or to the decree that you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. Then the men went as a group to King Darius and said to him, Remember, your majesty, that according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, no decree or edict that the king issues can be changed. So the king gave the order, and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring, and the rings of his nobles, so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating and without entertainment being brought to him, and he could not sleep. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, 
Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, May the king live forever. My God sent his angel, and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me, because I was found innocent in his sight. Nor have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him, because he had trusted in his God. At the king's command, the men who had falsely accused Daniel were brought and thrown into the lion's den, along with their wives and children. And before they reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. Then then King Darius wrote to all the nations and peoples of every language in all the earth, May ye prosper greatly. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel, for he is the living God, and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed, his dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves, he performs signs and wonders. In the heavens and on the earth, he has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Evening everyone, and let's pray together now. Father, as we come to your word, <clears throat> we're grateful to you for the Bible, and we pray you'd speak to us through it for Jesus' sake. Amen. Well, a word about trust. Trust is an everyday event, isn't it? So, for instance, when you sat down on the chair I imagine you're sitting on, uh, you trusted the chair and the person who made it uh, that they would actually, it would be able to take your weight. Maybe you've had the tyres on your car changed and you are now trusting the young man who did it for you that he put the nuts on properly. Uh, there are lots of examples. Uh, for instance, when we were in uh, Zimbabwe visiting Robin Hillary McKenzie in 2013 on sabbatical, we popped up to Victoria Falls. And one of those, uh, well, there are lots of crazy things you can do at Victoria Falls. There was, uh, we came across uh, bungee jumping off the Victoria Falls Bridge. And then there was a gorge swing. And uh, when we were there, there was a South African family with two, I imagine, about eight and uh, ten, I would imagine, one of them in a plaster cast, two boys, uh, and they, they strapped these two boys w and they went willingly uh, to this rather long bit of elastic and then just jumped off the edge of the gorge at the Vic Falls and uh, they survived. Uh, I'm not sure I'd have done that uh, and um, uh, given that uh, it, the, the, the elastic rope looked unbelievably frayed, uh, but anyway they survived and that was, uh, that was all fine. But uh, there is trust and it, and it works out and it's there in, in every part of our lives. We're trusting God all the way through life, all, through, all the way through every day in one way or another. And uh, uh, as it's an everyday thing, one of the things I wanted to say uh, for us this evening is, is just simply the Christian life is a life of trust. The, the Christian life all the way through our life, it is simply a life of trust, trusting Jesus that he, that he died for us, that he rose again for us, that he's reigning in heaven now. Uh, and because the Christian life is a life of trust, one thing I want to say, the title for this evening is this, that we're thinking about a whole 
wholehearted trust for the whole of your life. A wholehearted trust for the whole of your life. And as we look at Daniel 6, uh, Daniel here is an old man. You see in the first verse, it pleased Darius. Now Darius is probably the uh, the name, that, if you like, the throne name of Cyrus. In some ways, like the stage name that people have might not be their real name. Well, Darius, it, it could well have been, or perhaps around the other way, that Cyrus was Darius's throne name or vice versa. He was the king of Persia. The king of Persia who released the Jews to go back to the Promised Land uh, after about 539 BC. That meant that Daniel had been in the Promised Land uh, for perhaps say 60 uh, in the uh, uh, in exile away from the promised land for say about 60 years he was now probably in his 80s he was really quite an old man really quite an old man and he's still going on he's still going on as a as god's man in that situation he's still following the lord and uh, uh, and the first thing that we consider here as we're thinking about a wholehearted trust for the whole of your life, if that's going to be you and that's going to be me, then it must be a consistent trust, a consistent trust. And Daniel uh, was taken as a prisoner over to Babylon as a teenager, and he's still there in his 80s. In fact, he's doing rather well. When you read in uh, uh, in chapter 6 and verses 2 and 3, there were three administrators over these 120 satraps or civil servants and three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. Uh, the satraps were made accountable so, uh, to them so that the king might not suffer loss. And Daniel so distinguished himself, verse 3, among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities, the king planned to sit him over the whole kingdom. So Daniel do, is doing extraordinarily well. Uh, he's over there in exile, away from home, living in a pagan country, and he's still following his God and actually doing as well as he can uh, in the position that he's been given. Talking of being uh, consistent in your life, uh, I came across a story this week about uh, a young man who was, well, frankly, just really rather slow. He was slow of thought, he was slow to decide things, he walked slowly, everything about his whole life was slow. Nice enough guy, pretty capable guy, but actually just everything was kind of slow motion. And when he left school, uh, he went and got a job at the local zoo. And on the first morning, the zookeeper asked him if he would go down and clear out the tortoise enclosure. It seemed kind of appropriate for a guy who lived life in slow motion. So uh, this young man went down to the tortoise enclosure. Uh, the head keeper came down a little bit later on and asked him how he was getting on. But he found the young man standing there and with the gate open to the tortoise enclosure. And the head keeper said, uh, what's happening? What's going on? What, what's happened? And the young man said, well, I don't know, really. I just kind of opened the gate and whoosh, they were gone. Well, at least he's consistent. <laughs> and... Uh, um, and that's what we see here in Daniel's life, a man who was consistent. And you see here, uh, although he is, I mean, he's doing remarkably well in his chosen career, not his chosen, it was chosen for him, his career, wasn't it, uh, over there in, in Babylon. But actually he wasn't very popular. Uh, for a start, he was Jewish. And the guys, there seems to be a, a certain degree of 
of, of racism kind of mixed in here about it. Uh, they didn't really like him very much. Uh, maybe they were jealous because he was doing so well and he was, uh, uh, he, even into his 80s, he was still uh, still performing well in his uh, in his job. But they just didn't want, and they want to catch him out. And so they hatch this entrapment plot that you see here. And uh, the thing which stands out here, in the midst of all their evil plotting, as they tried to, they, they got the king to put this, decree in place which was not changeable saying for the next 30 days if anyone prays to anyone other than the king then it's a lion's for them and uh, uh, and you think because they couldn't find anything about uh, wrong about Daniel that was the only thing they were going to do they knew that his faith was so important to him and they knew that was the only way they were going to be able to catch him out and so what's they put in place and they got the king Darius to put that uh, in place uh, and um, uh, and they knew that as Daniel was going to, to, to react to this in some way, I'm sure he didn't know exactly how, but they knew if they were going to get him, and if they were going to get him to the lions, first of all they had to choose something that was about Daniel's religion, and then secondly uh, they needed to keep watch on him and see what was going to go on. So here they have Daniel, here's a decree, he knows that actually he, uh, um, he, he's got a problem here, uh, and what does he do? Well, in verse 10, Daniel's response is just simply, go home and pray. So you look at verse 10. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room with the windows open towards Jerusalem three times a day, probably doing what the Jews always did, praying at nine in the morning, midday and three in the afternoon. Three times a day, got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he'd done before. That's extraordinary, wasn't it? Just being, he knew that if he was going to do this and people saw him, he was going to be thrown to the lines. And what consistency? He just carried on doing what he'd been doing before. Um, and then we know what happens. The gang barged in. They found him praying. They took him to the king. And uh, the king wants to, uh, want, wants to uh, save Daniel. But he said, well, I passed this law. I can't repeal it. And Daniel ends up being thrown to the lions. And what is the last thing the king says? Verse 20. Um, and, uh, uh, and we see as Daniel is thrown to lions. So it's in verse 16. Verse 16. As Daniel goes to lion, the king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. And then in verse 20, uh, the next morning, the king comes in after a very sleepless night. And he called to Daniel in an anguished voice in verse 20. Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually, same phrase again as it was uh, the night before, whom you serve continually, being able to rescue you from the lions. The king knows of Daniel's faith. That is clear. And Daniel's service of his God. Uh, and he knows that Daniel is consistent in his faith, that he's going to keep on going in his faith. Now, Daniel, he could have been head down, private prayer, you know, uh, don't make a show of it and so on. But no, he wanted to be consistent. He wanted to carry on doing what he was doing before. He trusted the Lord and uh, he put God first in his life. And Daniel's trust here, you can see it, isn't it? It's, a, it's an unwavering, consistent, I'm going to keep on going, following my God, whatever, despite the changing circumstances. Um, there's quite a, a, a famous guy called the Vicar of Bray that's near Maidenhead in Berkshire and uh, 
who managed to hold on to his position from the reign of Charles II through to the reign of George I. And to do so, he changed his beliefs. So he was a Catholic, he then became a Protestant, and then he went back to being a Catholic again. And then uh, asked about this uh, inconsistency, this fickleness in his life, uh, how he could change his beliefs so readily. He just said this, no, no, I haven't changed my mind. If I've always kept to my principle, which is this, to live and die the vicar of Bray. But he was still desperately uh, inconsistent, wasn't he? Um, and no such tactics for Daniel. No such tactics for Daniel. No suggestion of flip-flop, one thing to please one, one thing to please another. No, he was consistent. Nothing would change that. And how consistent are you? And how consistent am I in our faith as we follow the Lord Jesus? Have we made our stand at work, at school, at college? Are you standing firm in your trust? Are you doing that consistently? So that's the first thing, a consistent trust. The second thing is a prayerful trust. A prayerful trust. Look at verse 10 again as Daniel gets down on his knees. And he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem three times a day, got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he'd done before. And... Uh, uh, and that's what he did. Now, the Jews then, they had no temple, they had no priest, they had no liturgy, they had no services. I suppose in some ways a little bit like lockdown at the moment, except it wasn't three or four months, it was just about 70 years. Which was just extraordinary that this man could keep on going. And so he'd face Jerusalem as a good reminder, and he prayed, giving thanks to his God in verse 10. I wouldn't have thought uh, it'd be uh, awfully much to give thanks for if I was in Daniel's position. But what an encouragement to us, what a challenge to us to actually to give thanks, because that's what he did then. And for us to be doing similarly as we uh, remember that when we pray, let's also give thanks. I, uh, uh, I found out too about this Martin um, uh, Martin Winkart, who was a, a German pastor during the Thirty Years' War. And in 1636, uh, as he was the pastor of a, of a little church in Germany, he buried 5,000 of his parishioners in one year, in, in uh, 1636. That's an average of 15 a day. And in the midst of all this darkness of the war and the famine and the economic disaster, in the midst of all that loss and all that fear, he wrote a grace for his children, which they could use at mealtimes. Uh, you may know it, it's a rather well-known hymn. Now thank we all our God, with heart and hands and voices, who wondrous things have done, in whom his world rejoices, who from our mother's arms hath led us on our way, with countless gifts of love, and still is ours today. Amazing. Thankful prayerfulness is a great way to help us to be consistent in our walk with the Lord. They can never stop us praying. And prayer is our inner life. It's our soul life. And if you're Daniel, it's a good principle as well for other people to see it as well. For instance, when you're out with Christian friends and uh, you're having a meal, uh, say grace. 
don't be ashamed to say grace. Uh, we were doing that once with a group of people, and then the waiter came up and said, sorry, Sarah, is there something wrong with the soup? No, we so said we're just simply thanking, thanking our God for it and thanking God for you. Let's keep our prayers uh, going. Let's keep our prayers going with thankfulness and let's not be afraid to be public about our praying. I was doing a selection conference, a bishop's advisory panel a couple of weeks back, and one of the, which is selecting future vicars for the Church of England. And one of the things that really impressed me was the, uh, the prayer life of the, the great majority of the candidates. Uh, great variety and great depth in their prayer life. They were really giving themselves to it. Um, and a couple of things just recently that have encouraged me in my prayer life, just uh, uh, on the phone, for instance. I've, um, I've got a little app on the phone now, which uh, someone put me onto, uh, called this Lectio 365. Um, it's guy this, by this Pete Gregg guy, a 24-7 uh, guy. And uh, I don't agree with all the theology, but I'm, uh, for a season, it's, uh, it's a very helpful thing. Very helpful thing. Lectio 365 app. And, uh, and then also I came across this. Um, Five Things to Pray in a Global Crisis by Rachel Jones. And it's very helpful for all sorts of things that we can pray uh, during our time of uh, global pandemic. So uh, I really recommend that, actually. You can get it from a good local bookshop called Books Alive. And uh, uh, it's in that little series. So uh, do go down. Books Alive is open, by the way. Uh, so let's get down and uh, get that book by Rachel Jones, Five Things to Pray in a Global Crisis. So wholehearted trust for the whole of your life, consistent trust, prayerful trust, public trust, public trust. Everyone knew where Daniel stood. His colleagues knew. Just have a look at verse 5 there. The king knew. We've seen that in verses 16 and 20. Everyone knew he was a Jew. Everyone knew he prayed. Everyone knew he was walking with God. Everyone knew he served his God continually. It was a matter of public record. And then the whole world knew when Daniel survived and the king passed that decree. So you look at the beginning of verse 26, for instance. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. See, when it's all public, it actually helps you to keep on going in your faith. So is your faith public? Is it public at work? Is it public with your family? Is it public with your friends? Is it public with your, the guys you're at school with? you meet up with from time to time. Is your faith a public faith? Well, I want to encourage us to have a public faith like Daniel did. And, uh, uh, oh, and by the way, in Daniel chapter 6, have you noticed there are a number of great pointers to Jesus? So, for instance, have you seen the great reversal here? Daniel is going to be killed. They put a stone across the lion's den and then it's sealed with the, sings, uh, the king's signet ring and the signets of, uh, signet rings of uh, the other nobles there. Uh, and you read that and you think, there's another tomb in the Bible, wasn't there, which had a stone rolled across the entrance, and then, then it was sealed. Of course, Jesus' tomb. And in some ways, this lion's den is a bit like a tomb. And then when Daniel comes out of it, when he's still alive the next day, uh, the next morning, you think of three mornings later after a crucifixion for Jesus and how they went to the tomb with the rock, the seal, and it had to be removed. 
uh, but it didn't need to be removed and then they could see in and they recognised that it was empty and then they were told the reason for that was the resurrection of Jesus. There are parallels here, not exactly the same, but it's meant. To, I think it's meant to make us think of Jesus and to point ahead to the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Then also, if you look in verses 26 and 27 here, and this decree of Darius, uh, it's meant to make us think of God, because he says tremendous true things of God, but also makes me think of Jesus. When I read this, he is the living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. That's Jesus, isn't it? And then he rescues and he saves. That's Jesus. He performs signs and wonders. That's Jesus doing that to accredit the apostles, as we're seeing in our sermons on Acts in the morning at the moment, uh, in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions, the God who rescues, the God who has rescued us through Jesus coming and dying for us. Wholehearted trust for the whole of your life in the Lord Jesus. So a a consistent trust, a prayerful trust, a public trust, and then let's just say a consistent prayer, public trust. It is trust. So look at verse 23 here. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den, and when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. Because he had trusted in his God. When it says no wound, it could be better translated perhaps. He wasn't hurt. He wasn't hurt because he had trusted in his God. But it does give us a bit of a problem, doesn't it? What about those who have trusted in their God, like Daniel, but have got hurt? What about the countless thousands of faithful Christians around the world in the 20th and the 21st centuries who have been hurt to death for their faith? What about the thousands and thousands of Christian pastors who have disappeared, never to be seen again, almost certainly murdered, hurt for their faith? So it's a bit of a problem, isn't it? Although John Calvin says this, uh, this is um, what Calvin says, Daniel was not preserved because he believed the God of Israel to be the true and only God, maker of heaven and earth, but because he committed his life to him because he rested on his grace, because he was convinced that there would be a happy outcome if he served him. He says he trusted in God because Daniel was convinced that his life was in God's hand and that his hope in him was not in vain, whether that be through life or through death. And that blessing that God gave would have been Daniel's in life or in death as he consistently trusted in his God. And he encourages us to do the same throughout life. Now, at the moment, we're coming out of a COVID-19 lockdown, aren't we? Too fast? Too slow? Are we getting it about right? Whatever, we trust our God. Or our mental health may be feeling a bit fragile, and we want to trust God. Oh, and by the way, do um, uh, get on the Living Well that series with with Chris uh, on my church suite or be in touch with the church office uh, it starts Tuesday at half past ten and uh, uh, or maybe perhaps your finances are uh, just a bit stretched at the moment we don't know how it's all going to work out but we will trust God for his help in that area as well or maybe we really want to see our elderly parents haven't haven't had a chance to yet 
because of the way these things work out and we trust God for their well-being and that we will see them in due course. Daniel 6 is about trust and it points us to Jesus, to Jesus. And it says, look, Christian people, Christianity is about a wholehearted trust for the whole of your life. A wholehearted trust for the whole of your life for this consistent, prayerful and a public trust. Let's pray together. Father God, we pray that you would help us to trust you wholeheartedly for the whole of our life. For Jesus' sake. Amen.